You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. And, uh, you know, those of you who know me, I'll, I'll say this, you're like, yep, that's totally him. Those of you who don't know me yet, I would love to get a chance to know you. But I am the ultimate. There is no one else in the world more this than me. I am the ultimate and then guy. So for an example, you guys saw Awaken Youth Conference is coming. It's going to be amazing. Our team is getting creative with all these things. And we'll sit in meetings. Come on, Deshaun. We'll sit in meetings, and they're like, okay, we're going to fire a kid out of a cannon. And I'm like, okay, and then? Okay, uh, and then we're going to have a boxing match between Hot Dog Connor and Cowboy Jesse. I'm like, very good. Okay, and then? And I'm always asking them and helping them to look to what's the next thing? Like, what, what are we moving towards? What else is there? Or, you know, for example, I'll take my beautiful bride on a date and we'll go have an amazing dinner, have great steak, have a glass of wine, but then I'll say something like this. Uh, let's go get dessert. And then let's go to a movie. And then on the way home, let's text our friends and tell, us, tell them to meet us at home. And then let's play cards until the break of dawn. And then let's make cookies. And it just goes on. I don't know, if, is there anyone else like this? You're like the and then person. You're like, the night does not end until I say it does. And then, and then, I'm the ultimate and then guy. And I believe part of why I'm the ultimate and then guy is because I serve a God who is the ultimate and then God. I serve a God who is always looking to what's next. He's always looking to what's more. He's always trying to get me to see what he sees, which is a future that is limitless, that has nothing to stop what he and I can do together when we're partnered. And so we serve and and then God. God always wants more for our lives. We had Pastor Quacha in the 10 o'clock service, and I asked her, I said, Pastor, Pastor Quacha, is God done with your life? Absolutely not, was her response. No matter where you are in your life, no matter how epic your life is, there's always more for your life. I like to use the analogy of golf. Are there any golfers in here? <sighs> wow, okay. <laughs> My whole point just got ruined. You guys, it's been really great. You guys have a great rest of your day. I love to use the analogy of golf because no matter how good you are at golf, think about Tiger Woods, right? Arguably the greatest golfer the world has ever seen. What I loved about him was he refused to settle and to get mediocre. He always wanted to get better and better and better. The last time that I checked, and if I'm wrong, someone correct me, no one has ever gotten 18 consecutive holes in one. What that means is even the best, the most elite, always have an opportunity to get better. And so today I'm here to tell you, no matter where your life is at, there's always an opportunity that God is looking for to and then your life because he's an and then God. And I love this about God, the way that he operates is he always shows us in the past what he means for the future. And if you would investigate and study your Bible, famously Pastor Jurgen would say, which I encourage, if you were to do that, to open this up and to skim through the pages, to read, to hear the stories, to see the things that God did, what you would find time and time again are there are instances of stories of God and thening someone's life. We'll start at the very beginning. It's a good place to start. We'll start with Adam, naked and afraid and all alone. And then God brought Eve. Come on, that's a good amen. Look at the life of Abraham. Abraham was stuck with the fear and the disappointment of his legacy ending with him. No children from him and his wife. But then we hear the story of God doing a complete miracle in the barren womb of Sarah. And then God gives birth, or excuse me, Sarah gives birth. Look at the life of King David. He's my favorite Bible character. 
He's the rejected youngest son out in the field, not even being worthy of being called in to be in front of Samuel. And then he kills the Goliath, becomes the king of Israel, and it initiates and starts a nation that is existing today. You can keep going, read into the New Testament, the life of Peter, homeboy was just a fisherman. Just like you said, he was a fisherman, encountered the living God, encountered the person of Jesus, left his life behind, and then became the apostle, became the disciple, became the person we know. Look at the, the, the person, Paul. Paul was hunting down meticulously to murder Christians, people who believed in Jesus. He was hunting them down. On the road to Damascus, has this encounter with God. Becomes Paul, or excuse me, goes from Saul to Paul, and then God, his life. There's story after story after story of God and thening people's lives. So what that tells me is what God has done then, he still wants to do today. There's always more with him. He's always in the business of taking us to what's next. What's interesting to me is that I know some of us are at the drive-through of our life, placing an order to a God who's on the other side, and feeling complacent and feeling content with ordering what we think that we can have. I just want to have enough money to pay my bills. I just want to survive my marriage. I just want my kids. And we make this order, and we have a God who's on the other side who's going, and then? And what else? And what's past that? And what's next? Okay, what is the next? Why are you dreaming the way that you are? And so some of us are in this position where we feel like we can only order or ask God for so much. And I love that the annoying lady behind the teller is persistent. She says, and then she's wanting him to think, what else is there? So when you're in that position of just enough money to pay your bills and just if I can survive this marriage and if my kids could just, listen, God's response to those things is, yeah, of course. And then I think about my life uh, before I got married, which in, in my life is the greatest and then that there ever, ever was. And I remember thinking, yeah, if I could just meet an awesome girl. And that's where God, okay, and then? Okay, uh, I w- okay, I wanna marry her. Okay, and then? Okay, we're gonna start an epic life together. Um, okay, we're gonna do ministry together. We're gonna have great friends. And then? Okay, um, okay, we're gonna get into business. We're gonna be business bosses. And okay, and then? And God is constantly asking me, what is the next thing? What's the and thing thing? And what he's teaching me, listen, the order that I'm trying to place before God in our drive-through is not bad, but we have to begin to understand that God always has more for you and for I. Those orders can be fulfilled, but he wants us to initiate and to engage what in the world is next for your life. So wanting us to dream bigger and to believe more, to stretch further and to see more because God is an and in God. He, there's a setting that Christians should live their life at. Just so you know, there's a setting that God expects and anticipates that you and I would live our life at. And what I want you to hear this morning is no matter where your, your dial is set right now, it's time to, it's time to turn it up. Whether you're expecting God for something huge or something small, whether you've seen him do it before or you're waiting for a miracle, wherever your life is at, you need to understand that God is an and then God wanting to meet what you're asking right now, but then to exceed above and beyond. Everyone is looking for the formula of how to do this. The world is looking for a formula. And I love that God doesn't hide how to do it. Instead, he reveals it to us in his word of how to put our life in a position for him to be able to move in power, to move in might, to put the blessing of God in our life so that he can end then our life. Amen? Amen. 
And I believe that there's some keys in the Bible that we can use in our lives if we would apply the principles of God, that we would start to see our lives become and then. I want to pray. Lord, thank you this morning for your church, for your word, and for your power. God, I thank you that the vision you have for our lives is more than we can comprehend or determine. Lord, I thank you right now in this moment, they're going to be an and then moment where people are going to see beyond the current, see beyond what is, and to see what you have for them. And it's massive, it's huge, it's powerful. In Jesus' name, we pray. If you believe that, you can say amen. I want to kind of debunk a myth, if that's okay. <clears throat> There's a myth, and I've grown up in church. I was born on a Thursday. I was in church on a Sunday, so I've been around church culture a lot. And there's this myth that God only cares about you getting to heaven. And that's all he cares about is people getting saved, you getting into heaven, spending eternity with him. I want to emphasize that is incredibly important. Of course that matters to him. If it didn't matter to him, Jesus would never have had to have come. This was his whole plan, was for us to spend forever with him. He loves that. It's important to him. It's huge. But he cares about how you live your life on this earth just as much. He cares how you operate on this earth just as much. He cares how your life is lived just as much as he cares as you getting into heaven. And because God has that setting and because he expects us to turn it up in our life while we're here on earth, it's time for us to understand the principles that will put us into their alignment to allow that to happen. The worst thing in the world is to view someone else's life and go, okay, why is their life blowing up? Why is their life flourishing? Why is their life epic? And I don't feel like mine is. We're gonna answer that. There's a story in the Bible. Are we a Bible-believing church? Come on. In the book of Matthew in chapter 25, very, very famous story, talks about the parable of the talents. I'm gonna paraphrase and we'll read a little bit of it. But long story short, a master goes away and upon his leaving, he leaves and entrusts three servants with different amounts of things. One guy gets five, one guy gets two, and one guy gets one. You guys have heard this story, yes? I wanna paint the picture of the story and it's the way that I view it and the way that I read it. There's a lot of ways to interpret it, but I want you to imagine the thing that the master is leaving to entrust to the servants is their life. It's your life. And what, what happens is at the end, and we're gonna read it here in just a second, what happens at the end is the master comes back and he's not met with what he expected to happen while he was gone. The Bible says this, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Does that sound like growth, multiplication, expansion? Okay. And likewise, he had received two, gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Hey, I'm expecting there to have been an increase. I'm expecting there to have been multiplication. I'm expecting you to have more than when I left you. And he comes back. And so he would receive the five talents, came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more. I've doubled. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And he does the same thing to the guy with two. And he says, yep, I've doubled. But it breaks my heart every time I get to the guy that was given one. Because what he refused to see or what he was unable to see is that at the master's return, he was expecting there to be more than what he had left them with. And this morning, the, the picture that I'm trying to paint is the thing that God has left you and the thing that God has given you is your life. He's given you a spirit. He's given you mind, will, and emotions. And I love this about him. And he doesn't control you or tell you what to do with it. Instead, he gives you the option to choose. Am I gonna believe or am I not? Am I going to, he gives you the option. 
And so upon the master's return, he finds that he had hid his life away, that he didn't multiply, that there wasn't more than when he left. I don't know about you, but when my time here on earth is done, I want there to be more than when I started. I want there to be an enlargement that was on my life. And I understand now that the biblical principles of God put me in that position to be able to receive that. And some of us today, we're, we're sitting in this room and we, we're doing that right now with our lives. We're hiding it because we can't believe that there's actually more for our lives. We can't believe that there's, there could be anything past that. I, you know, I remember a story I was telling Marissa this morning. I played baseball in high school. I know there wasn't a lot of golfers. or any baseball players? Yeah. Holy. Okay, let's try something that might work for this service. Are there any business owners? Yeah. Are there any patriots in the room? Yeah. Okay. That was the response I was looking for. Whatever I had to use to get there, we're good. And I remember uh, I was a freshman in high school and you know, the way it worked back then, you know, in 2000 and whatever year it was, you basically bought your own bats, you bought your own gear and like you and your team just played, right? And so the big thing was like, who had the best bat on the baseball team? The newest bat, I won't, you know, bore you with all the details, but basically bats get better over time. The, the material they use, the way they're designed, the insides, more pop, more power, more, they get better, okay? And so I had an old bat that I'd had for a while and it was a good bat. I knew how to, you know, I, I was comfortable with it, but I was like wanting something else, right? So this kid on my team, I'll never forget his name. His name's Carlin. Don't look him up. Don't Facebook him. Don't tell him I'm mad at him. He had gotten like a summer job and had mowed a bunch of lawns, made a bunch of money. I think he did some babysitting kind of randomly and he had saved up four or $500 to get a new baseball bat. Yeah, they're that expensive. Kind of like a uh, driver. So he had saved up all this money to buy the new baseball bat, right? And he show, I'll never forget him pulling it out of the bag. And I was just like so jealous and like so mad and like, what the heck, dude? And so I started building up in my mind, like, well, he needs, you know, brand new bat to be as good as I am. He needs new shiny, you know, hit it farther bat to be as good as I am. Dude, me and my old bat, we're fine. And I started building up in my mind this jealousy towards something that he had. And what had happened, I hate telling this story. So I build up this, you know, anger towards him. Like, what the heck? You're like, you need that bat. Like, you're not as good as me. And the truth is, is I wanted a new bat. And so it was my turn to bat. And the way that it works, you know, they have the, the chain link fence and like maybe bat holders and the whole team puts their bat out, right? So like when you go up, you like grab the bat you want and like you go, you know, to the batter box. So I grab his bat. <laughs> I give his bat and use it because it was the newest, it was the best. Was... And what that communicates to me now is I was jealous and skeptical of something that he had, but he had done something that I hadn't done to get it. And so what I know, what I know is in Christian culture, we'll look at someone's lives and be like, why every time I, I hear or see or I'm around them, I just hear God's story after God's story, miracle after miracle, breakthrough after breakthrough, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. And to be honest, it will frustrate and disappoint us because we want that for our lives as well. But the truth is, is we haven't done the work to get what that person got. And this is what I love about God. God is not a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of persons, but he will respect his principles. Those who put themselves in alignment with his principles will see the and then of God. And so the same way that I was frustrated and upset that he had something that I didn't, how many of us in the room have felt that frustration before? We can't get upset or skeptical or critical when other Christians' lives are flourishing. We can't be upset and jealous. Why is it them and not me instead? Because listen, this is fair game. 
Go online, download it, go to a Bible bookstore, hit me up, I'll get you a Bible. This is fair game. The secrets are not a secret. The principles of God are not a secret. And when you apply them to your life, dreams, desires, hopes, vision, purpose, calling, destiny, listen, it will find you when you line yourself up to the principles of God. I wanna do this. I wanna honor Pastor Colin and Pastor Melissa Higginbottom. Because... Because not only have you allowed God to time and time and time again and then your life, you've actually put yourself in a position to learn and to gain wisdom and to gain insight and to gain discernment. And the mark of God, the anointing of God on your life is to show other people how to end in your life, how to go to the next level, how to do the next thing, how to dream bigger and see bigger. If they've impacted you in any way, shape, or form, or even if you don't know them yet, I want to honor them. Let's give them a round of applause. guys are awesome. Hey, you can change, uh, you can change your Instagram handle from Pathfinder Colin to and then Colin if you want. You can use that. Okay, we got to get back to the Bible. Jesus, that works. I want to break down the well, good, and faithful servant because I believe the keys to God and then in our life, the blessing of God finding us, the enlargement, the multiplication, all the things that we're wanting, God actually has given us the keys of the things to apply so that they find our life as well. And I believe they're hidden in the well done, good and faithful servants. I wanna break these down. If you're taking notes, I hope that you do write it down, get a phone out, write it on the back of a tithe card, whatever. Take some notes so that you can remember it later. The first word is well. I found people who live a life of excellence often have the and then of God on their life. They often find that God is giving them blessing, giving them promotion, giving them elevation, giving because they've lived their life a certain way. And I have to tell you, the reason that's happening is because God pays attention to how our lives are lived because he knows that the rest of the people are paying attention to how our lives are lived. Just a simple call to be the image bearer of God is a call to excellence. Just, by, just there alone is a call to living your life in a life of excellence. I, I'm like Pastor Colin in this way. I am obsessed with every single area of my life being excellent. I'm obsessed with everything that I do, everything that I touch being excellent. If I can make the decision to make it awesome, guess what? It's gonna be awesome. I'm obsessed with that. And the reason I'm obsessed with that is because I've caught the revelation that there's a world who is watching my life. When the world looks into a church if they see boring, pitiful, and feel sorry for themselves Christians, are they ever gonna be compelled to be a part of what we're a part of? Are they ever gonna be compelled to activate the power of God? Are they ever gonna be compelled? Like, that is boring and lame, y'all. I can't stand boring and lame Christians. If you're a boring and lame Christian, I'll tell you to your face, like, yo, there's more for you. God wants to end in your life. You're not compelling. So I feel an obligation, I feel a responsibility to do everything in my power, partnered with the Holy Spirit, to live a life that is excellent because I know the world is watching my life. I know that they're watching my life. I love uh, Dr. Matt and Pastor Michaela Hubbard. They're some of my favorite people. And uh, we get to go to the, the river you know, house with them a few times a summer and they have a boat and their kids just go absolutely crazy. And it's just like the most fun. But you know, to get from their house down to like the little convenience store, they sell you know, gas and ice and like whatever little food you need for the day. You gotta take a golf cart. There's like a golf cart, right? Because you don't wanna drive your car down there. It's, it's not long enough. So the golf cart is like how everyone kind of does it. And, you know, Hubbard's got this, like, tricked out, you know, sick golf car, just, like, 
bro, you're making everyone here look bad. Like, good for you. <laughs> and on the side of the golf cart, it says Hubbard, okay? And then it says, you know, like, they're like, their site number. So, like, it's on the side. So, like, everyone knows, like, where this golf cart belongs, right? And so, I'm driving around. I have one of the kids with me. And I'm, like, going to pick up ice or, you know, snacks or whatever. And I had this revelation. I was like, shoot, everyone is watching me right now. Everyone is watching me drive around in this golf cart where there's speed limits, there's stop signs, there's kids running across, there's rules I have to follow, which is super annoying. And I had the revelation, if someone saw me in this golf cart, they don't know that I'm not Dr. Matt, and they're going to associate my behavior and the way that I'm acting with him and his family. And so I had the revelation of, wow, I wonder how many Christians don't understand that everywhere they go, everything they do, the life that they live is showing the God that they represent. It's showing the person of Jesus Christ. It's showing God. It's showing Awakened Church. Listen, I'm proud of my church. All of my actions, if someone were to watch my life, I want them to go, that's a product of Awakened Church. So the life that we're living, when the world sees it, are they compelled or are they bored? Are they curious or are they disinterested? Do they want to copy you or like, no thanks? We have to live a life that is excellent. When you choose to live a life of excellence, the end then of God will always find you. This can be practical little things. When you have people over to your house, is your toilet clean? It literally can be that practical. When, so, when you have people over for your house, are you using plastic silverware? That's okay every now and then. <laughs> we use knives. This, this drove me crazy until I got it. I want to honor my wife. We would go to birthday parties or like, you know, just someone celebrating something. And she would always be like, okay, well, we got to go get a gift on the way. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like a housewarming party or like a birthday party. Like I don't even know this person. And so every time we would stop, whether it was at a gift card, a handwritten card, an awesome present, she understood that that was operating at a level of excellence. That anytime we went somewhere, we were going to be generous. We were going to be hospitable. We were going to be the ones to live Excellently. God wants you to live your life excellently so that and then of God can find you. Amen. The Bible says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There it is. That should be compelling enough for us to live a life of excellence. The idea of being described as a mediocre master of none should make us as Christians sick to our stomach. It should make us feel gross. It should make us want to vomit because mediocre work fails to accomplish the essence of a Christian life which is to serve others and to glorify God. Wherever you're living in your life right now that isn't living with a spirit of excellence, it's time to turn that dial to the right so that the end end of God can find you. Amen? Amen. We're moving and grooving. I got a sign down here that said five minutes, but it's a 12 o'clock service. Y'all good? Okay. Next one is done. This one's gonna sting a little. Finish what you started. The reason I have confidence and belief and conviction and that I'll back my pastors any day of the week is because I know they're going to finish what they started. They moved here to plant one church, which very quickly became four, which very quickly became the vision for 16 campuses. There is not a doubt in my mind. There is not an ounce of disbelief that at one point in time, Awakened Church will spread across and be located in 16 campuses because we are a culture who finishes what we started. We finish what we started. And some of you are here today and you're sitting next to a spouse. You're sitting next to a husband or a wife. And I want to remind you that at one point in time, long ago or recently, you made a commitment, you made a promise, you made a vow that you and that person were going to be inseparable, that you were locked by the power of God. Can I just encourage you today? Finish what you started. Finish what you started. Finish 
what you started. Some of you here today, your kids are in kids' church or you have teenagers and maybe you had them grow up in the house of God, but for whatever reason, your family hasn't made it a priority. It's your job as parents to lead and to finish what you started. You started raising your kids in the house of God. Finish it, finish it, finish it, finish it. Finish what you started. And how you leave something is always a pulse and a true tell of how you're gonna start the next thing. If you leave offended, upset, you transition poorly, the next thing, that's how you're gonna start. How you quit your job, leave your job, crazy important. How you end a dating relationship, crazy important. How you end something will always paint the picture of how the next thing is going to begin. If you finish what you started, mark my words, the end then of God will find your life. The next thing is good. Well done, good. This talks about our character and integrity. Please write this down. My definition of integrity is this, is saying, excuse me, doing what you say and saying what you do. I'm gonna break this down. If I tell my bride, hey baby, I'm gonna take your car, I'm gonna fill it up with gas, I'm gonna take it through the drive-thru, it's gonna have a you know, smelly thing in there, maybe a Nordstrom's gift card. If I tell her that I'm going to do that and I don't do that, ladies, what happens? <laughs> I didn't do what I said. Now she's disappointed, trust issues, anger, fists. <laughs> if I don't do what I said, am I gonna have a reputation that people can trust? Is my integrity intact? Is my character there? It's not. You say you're gonna do something, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Make sure that you're being integrous. And the second part is make sure that you're saying what you do. We deal with young adults and youth all the time. And this is something that Mercer and I are so passionate about getting into them now. That the ability to tell on yourself when you cross the line, the ability to tell on yourself when there's a mistake, when the ability to tell on yourself when something in your life happens that is not the perfect will of God or the best that God had for you. Listen, if you are able to be vulnerable, go to a leader, go to a pastor, go to a connect leader, go to a trusted friend. Here's what the enemy loves to do is he loves to keep those things in the dark where they can grow and manifest and there's never any light on them. That's where he likes to keep them. But the word of God says the word of God is a light. If you're able to put light on those things, to resolve those things, to get the healing, restoration, discipleship that you need in your life, that is what being integrous is. How quick are you when those things happen to go to someone and let them know and to fill them in and to bring them into the process? Listen, listen, I love that our church is known for this. We hear story after story about connects or people coming that are brand new to our church. And this is what they'll say. I'm so relieved and I'm so refreshed that this church will talk about the real things. I'm so relieved and so refreshed that they'll go there on things. I'm so relieved and so refreshed that when I get into that connect setting, that I don't feel like I have to hide and be judged and be, instead if I bring it out to the light, look at what discipleship does. Look what the power of God's healing does. Look at what quicker we are to bring those things to light. That's what integrity is. It's saying what you do and doing what you say. If you activate these things in your life, mark my words, the end then of God will find you. Integrity is gonna separate you from the rest of the world. It's gonna take you to high places and it's gonna keep you there. That's what integrity does, amen? Well done, good and faithful servant. I wanna switch faithful out for faith-filled. Are you guys good? Is this any good for you? Okay, faith-filled. How often and how frequently can you believe that God would do something in your life? Do you actually believe he is who he says he is and does what he says he does? When you're faced with obstacles, things in the way, How quick are you to go to faith instead of go to disappointment or frustration? How quick are you to pray prayers that scare you a little bit? How quick are you to dream past and beyond what's currently going on and say, no, 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 I've got faith that God is willing and able to do something about it. 
Faithful people pray prayers knowing not only is God willing, not only is he wanting to do it, but he's able to do it. That's power of faith. How quickly can you turn to faith? And guess what? When things aren't stacking up, how much can you believe again and again and again and again? Can you keep that faith muscle moving? And here's the mark of people who constantly have God and then in their lives. If you dug in and you dissected what was really going on, you would find they're a person of faith who activate their faith, who grow it, who work it out as a muscle, who have seen God do things in their life that they believed for. And so now it's easier for them to do it again because they've already seen God do it. Are you living a life that is filled with faith? Well done, good and faithful servant. The last one is the most important. None of the earlier ones matter unless you catch this. If you wanna live a life full of the blessing of God, full of the multiplication, the blood, all the things that come with being a son and daughter of God, it doesn't matter unless you remember who we're supposed to be modeling our life after. It doesn't matter unless you remember it's Jesus that we're striving to be like, to, I don't like to use the word striving, excuse me, that we're moving and applying the principles of God to be more like. And I love this about Jesus, man, Jesus was the man. He could have showed up on the scene, total hotshot. I'm Jesus, I'm all powerful, I'm all knowing, there's nothing I can't do. And he could have showed up on the scene as a hot shot going, yeah, all I do is preach. There's not 2000 people at my conference, I'm not preaching. He could have shown up and said, yeah, all I do, because I've got the gift of healing, all I do is pray for people and they get healed. He could have shown up and said, yeah, all I do is cast out demons, I'm deliverance guy. He could have showed up and said, yeah, all I do is I love that Jesus showed up as a servant. He showed up and put himself in a position of humble, put himself in the position of low. He put himself in the position of beneath. When he had all of the right and all of the authority to put himself above, he put himself beneath. And so the easy thing to do, the temptation to do is to live our lives with the arrows pointed in. How easy is it? to be selfish and to only think about me and to only think about mine, to only think about my world and the things in it. Jesus sets the perfect example is that we're to actually turn those arrows of our heart out. There's a world that needs to be served with grace and love. There's a world that needs to be served and taught about hope of Jesus. There's a world that we have to serve, but if we're pointing the arrows in of our life, we're never gonna point them out. Someone said this recently, I forget who it was, but they said the richest people on the planet are those who solve problems for others. They're the ones who serve other people. If it's good enough for the world, why in the world is it good enough for us? You wanna see your life go next level, you figure out how to serve. You wanna see your life go next level, you put your heart, your mind into what Jesus would want, what Jesus models, I'm gonna be a servant. And the temptation is to go, well, it's hard to be a servant because I'm a specialist. I only do this, I only do this, I'm only good at that. Listen, put your, your heart in a posture of whatever it is. If it's serving someone above me or below me, I'm gonna do it. If it's serving someone across me, I'm gonna do it. If it's something no one else wants to do, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna care more about other people than I care about me. And watch what happens. Can I tell you that God is so attracted to that? God looks at that through a different lens. He says, I'm into that. I'm gonna end in their life. Watch what I do. I want everyone to stand up to their feet this morning. came here yesterday afternoon around two o'clock and no one was in here. All the lights were off. All the chairs were empty and it was just me. 
and I began to play worship music. I was prepping for today because I was believing that God was gonna do something today that was powerful, that was memorable, that was gonna affect people's eternity. And so I sat in this room and I sat on the stage and had worship music playing and I started to cry out to God. And I said, God, I believe, I have faith that tomorrow Someone's gonna hear this message. They're gonna hear your word. They're gonna engage you in worship. You're gonna start to, to stir things in their heart. You're gonna start to stir things in their mind. And what's gonna happen is they're gonna make the greatest and then decision that a human can possibly make. That they're gonna begin to engage and to believe and to know and to love the person of Jesus Christ. That from that moment forward, their whole life is gonna begin to change. Things that have stopped them and hindered them in the past are gonna be moved. People who've been living their life in isolation and loneliness are gonna have community around them because, and then Jesus. People who are living their life with an uncertainty of the future, uh, an, an unknowing of the destiny, call and purpose, and then Jesus. And I just began to pray as I was up here and I said, and then Jesus, and then Jesus. Can I tell you that there is no situation or scenario that you can't put and then Jesus at the end that doesn't change, that doesn't transform you, that doesn't completely level the playing field and give you the advantage. So I want to do today is I know that there are people in this room for the very, very first time, you're going to make the greatest and then decision that your life has ever seen. Listen, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Your whole world begins to change. Eternity is locked in. A relationship begins. The Holy Spirit fills you up. You begin to read and see and to experience differently. It's the greatest and then moment a Christian can have, a person can have. And so every head bowed and every eyes closed, I wanna take a moment for the people who have never made this decision before. I had faith yesterday for you and I have faith now for you today. That the decision is about to be made that is gonna change the trajectory of your life. This is a milestone in time, a moment in time. Right now, the hand of God is waiting to write your name down in the book of life. Right now, the hand of God is waiting to applaud and to cheer the decision that you've made. And can I tell you, he's got power waiting to send to your life so that your life begins to end then. And the Bible says this, it's very, very simple, that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Savior, that you will be saved. That's the equation, that's the formula. Right now in this moment, I know, I know that there are people who are believing for the first time in their mind, in their spirit. Listen, I can't judge that. I can't gauge that. I can't get a pulse on that. But right now, you know that that's you. You know when I'm about to ask you to raise your hand that it's gonna shoot up. You know when we pray a prayer that you're gonna pray it. You believe it in your heart. And the Bible says this, is that you would confess it with your mouth. We're gonna pray together as a church. What I want you to do, if right now is the very, very first time, it's the, oh man, it's the greatest and then moment your life could ever have. It's so powerful. It's so special. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three and you're gonna shoot your hand up. But if you're in the room today, and maybe you made this decision a long time ago, and some time has gone by, and you've started to feel the frustration and the disappointment of, why is their life this, but my life is this? Why haven't I this, but they've that? Listen, today, God wants to restart and to give you some new momentum to end in your life. Power of God is waiting to find you. It is unlimited. There's nothing it can't reach. It's not too far away. If it's time to get some and then back on your life, you're gonna raise your hand as well. But if you're for the very first time making this decision to be a believer in Jesus, you're gonna raise your hand when I count to three. One, two, three. Awesome, yeah, God bless you. Yeah, awesome right here. 
Awesome, yeah, listen, he knows you and he just wants you to know him. He loves you, he just wants you to love him. Thank you, Lord. I know there's some more. Awesome, about six or seven people so far, but I know there's more. Listen, he wants to end then your life, to begin the journey with you. It's all about following him. It's all about knowing him. It's all about loving him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're here this morning, you just need God to end then something in your life. I want you to raise your hand right now. It's whatever it is. You need some power on your life. You need some power on your life. You need God to find you again, to remind you of how big he is, to remind you of how big your future is, to remind you of the plans, purpose, and calling that he's already set onto your life, for him to give you some supernatural power, wind in your sails. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're gonna pray together as a church. Everyone repeat after me right now. Let's try it again. Right now, I'm making the decision that my life is about to end then. I declare now that from this moment forward, Jesus is my savior. God is my father. Heaven is my home. And I prophesy into my life that moments of and then are coming my way because I serve a God who's an and then God. In Jesus' name we pray. All together we would say, amen, amen. Come on. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.